What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hills Are Silent podcast, where we mince it up about the games of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's a beautiful day today. Woke up super early, worked out. I'm jazzed. Let's do this thing. All right, Mitch, how's it been going, man? How's your week? Going well. It's going well. Yeah, uh, did not wake up as early as you, so uh, I uh, actually just got out of the shower not too long ago from being waking up. But uh, I am ready to go too. I'm I'm jazzed. I'm ready to talk about some video games. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, and I uh, I'm playing a couple single player games, but they're really longer ones, and I haven't finished them, so I'm not really ready to talk about them yet. But there is one that uh, I've been playing with my friends recently, and I think it's an interesting one to uh, to bring up. And uh, that one is called Deceive Inc. And I think it's kind of a cool name for for a game in general. I'm I'm playing it on Steam with some of my buddies. Uh, and Deceive uh, Deceive Inc. is an online multiplayer spy themed social deduction game. That's a mouthful. What uh, What does that even mean? Yeah, I will go into it a little more in depth. It's it is a kind of a hard concept to describe until you play it, but I'm going to do my best here. Um, it's developed by Sweet Bandit Studios, and the goal of the game I'm just going to give the loose goal is to escape with a briefcase and get in a getaway car before the other teams you're playing against do. So at max, you can do a three players on your team so it could be a 3v3 v3 v3 i think they maybe do six or seven teams of three or two if you could even go in by yourself so it's a it's a mix it's a mixed match of like all all these amount of players so there's probably about 15 20 people in a lobby at a time and essentially as i said the goal is to escape with this briefcase and get in a getaway car when you begin the game, you're disguised as an NPC character. And there are many of these NPC characters scattered throughout each of their four levels. And a lot of these NPCs look different, so and they all act differently. So like it some could be sprinting, some could be walking. So like it really looks like it, it's a lot of a mixed bag to make it you blend in hmm. in your in your NPC that you are. Yeah. Uh, the cool thing you could you could change your disguise whenever you want though, so you're assigned an NPC when you spawn into the level, but if you want to change to another NPC, if you think maybe somebody on the other team, one of these other teams, is being suspicious of you, or you're doing something suspicious to try and do something obje- on the objective based, you can you know kind of turn around a corner and find another NPC, and you can disguise yourself as them. So then you switch. And then maybe you can get somebody off your tail who thinks you know is being a little sus of you. Uh, so there's also go ahead. So is it like you have to steal this briefcase, but also stay undetected from the other players that you are an actual player, essentially? That's correct. You're you're trying to act like you're an NPC essentially and blend in with the other NPCs in the map while there are other teams doing the exact same thing. I just thought of a joke. I was like, some people don't have to act like NPCs. They just are NPCs. Anyway, carry on. Uh, we need a rim tap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so you have these disguises, and you can use some of these disguises to your advantage as far as getting to where you need to go. So there are... 
are different areas where you have to get into doors via collecting certain uh, currency or to you have to have a certain amount of uh, points, I guess I think it's just I think it's just points. I'm not sure what they call it, but to get in certain doors. But when you get in these certain like security doors, for instance, you need to be disguised as a security guard. And if you're not, they'll just start shooting at you like the NPCs will. So you'll see some of these security guards just blending in and walking around the map. So a lot of times you need to blend, you need to take on to them as the NPC. So you are a security guard and then go into the rooms to help you get key cards, to help you get uh, gears or uh, or something along. I can't remember what the, the buff is, but you get certain little uh, buffs to make your, your character more powerful, whether they can maybe disguise themselves back if they lose their disguise quicker, um, more health, quicker hacking, because you have to you have to like hold E and like wait to like hack or open a door. So uh, there's little things you can get along the way before you get to the stage where you have to get the briefcase and get out. Um, so if you get shot at, for instance, like you, like I said, if you don't have the correct NPC and you go into a security room and you get shot at, you lose your disguise and you are the character. And it's very obvious that you're you stand out compared to everything else in the level. So that really can that really can make things hard. If like another person who's disguised as an NPC walks by and sees that happen, they can start lighting you up and taking you out. So, like I said, it's a 3v3 max team-based game, and communication is very much key in it. Uh, there's nine different agents you can choose from, and they all have their own special ability. Uh, for instance, I was using a guy who uh, had like a he had a golden hand, and he had a it is basically a shotgun as a hand. So like he would like push his hand out and like shoot them like a, with like a shotgun, but he also could scope it. And so he could attack from long range as well. But his special was he had that he could make this like blue orb with his hand and like shoot it at people and slow them and make it so they couldn't use their special ability for a certain amount of time. So each has their special ability. And then there's a mix of 10 abilities to mix and match uh, with two slots available for those 10 abilities. So for instance, I have my special ability, but I also have two other abilities I had. I got to choose from of the 10 total. So one of them, I think I have a turret that I throw and a turret will come out. And there's another one where it's like a beanbag almost like it's like it, and it's like a cover for you. You like throw this little beanbag and it and expands and you can like cover yourself so you don't get shot if you lose your disguise or you could even like block doors with it or something like that. So there's a lot of uh, different abilities as well. Very spy centered. Hold on. Whatnot. So you can also become inanimate objects too. That's actually, that, that's great. You bring that up. That's actually one of the 10 abilities you can choose from. So you actually have to use an ability to disguise yourself as like a chair or a table or, you know, a plant or something like that. But that is one of the two abilities you have to, uh, you have to choose. Which I, I think I use that one, actually, because I think it's cool to be like a little plant and like just like sit there and wait. And then sometimes like some people will like not expect it and they're they're acting very much not like an NPC. And I'm like, surprise and start and start lighting them up and everything and whatnot. So it's it's kind of cool there. Um, but yeah, like I said, you find data points around and you unlock specific 
specific doors and whatnot to give you boosts, to give you key cards so you can, and these key cards can help you get into these other doors for when you need to get the briefcase, because the briefcase is locked behind a bunch of doors. And so, once you get the briefcase... So everybody's going for the same briefcase. Yes, everybody's okay. going for the same. There's only one. Okay. And the the fun thing about that is the person who has the briefcase, there's once he grabs it, there's automatically a a marker on him. And every like couple seconds, it shows where that person with the briefcase is. So people are converging on that person because there's a marker. And that's basically the goal and how you win. Mm-hmm. Either you kill all the teams or you escape with the briefcase essentially is how you win uh the game so uh it's been a lot of fun though my my buddies uh drew nate and i have been playing it and it gets pretty intense at the end in the briefcase stage where we're all like we're like hey man we get like we know where they need to go we can always meet them at the at the getaway car you know if they're if they're coming out and we don't think we can meet we can beat them to a spot we can beat them to where they need to go and we can just sit out and camp and wait for them and then take the briefcase and escape um so they it's a cool concept it's very unique it's something i've never played before in multiplayer uh, shooters and uh my friends and i have really been like trying to find another game for us to play aside from the hours of counter-strike we put in <laughs> and this one and while it's <laughs> while it's still a shooter and whatnot and it's still competitive per se it's definitely a, a step back as far as uh uh the uh the grind uh of counter-strike yeah nice yeah, it's got a very yeah, positive rating on Steam. Uh, it looks cool. It's kind of like a blend of Hitman, where you're having to disguise yourself to get into certain areas. It's almost like a multiplayer take on uh, on that type of gameplay. Where you're yeah, in- and shout out to them. They did it. We actually tried. We were interested in it. It was on my wish list for a short time. Not when we went over my wish list. I added it later, but. Um... Uh, they did a free weekend, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago, and we're like, "Hey, let's let's give it a try now." It's a free weekend on Steam. I love when they do those, especially on games on my wish list, because I can go in and try them. And if I like them, I they're usually on sale when they have a f- a free weekend because they're like, "Hey, we can at least entice you with a discount as well." Uh, so I ended up getting it for you know under twenty bucks, I think, and it's been well worth it. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That even at full priced. It's only 20 bucks, and this game just came out March 21st, 2023. So I'm assuming it's just been 20 bucks from the get go. I think it has, it's only been 20 bucks from the get go. And the only thing I get concerned with with some of these uh, these multiplayer games is like the amount of people that play them. There's only so many multiplayer games you can play, and uh, I don't want to buy something that doesn't have a very big population, but uh, the, every game that we've gotten in has been quick. It's been populated. Seems like people are really gravitating toward this one, so it's it's been nice. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been an easy buy. I, I, my friends and I have had fun. Awesome. Cool, man. But yeah, that's all I've been playing. That's Deceive Inc. Uh, I'm excited to hear what you're playing because uh, it kind of ties into something we talked about last week, at least one of the games you've been playing. Yeah. So before I jump into some of the stuff I've been playing by myself, we did mention on an earlier episode that we were playing Resident Evil Outbreak and that we had one level left. So you and I did finally finish that last level. Man, that, that level was brutal. So that game is, is difficult. It's that, yes. that old video game jank difficulty. And basically there's no respawns. You have to finish the level in one go 
And to make things more stressful, with your infection rate raising, you're on a timer. So you have to beat the level fast. So that very last level was probably the hardest one out of all of them. And I think it took us three tries. I think we did a really good job of assessing what needed to be done and what order we needed to tackle the objectives and what death traps we needed to avoid. We learned that the hard way. But yeah, ultimately the third try, we beat it. And it took us an hour and a half to beat that final level. So so picture that. Anybody listening, picture that. It's like you have... You cannot make a single mistake for an hour and a half straight. Otherwise, you're starting all the way over from the beginning. So yeah, and there was one moment towards the end of the level to make things worse. Is How did you bring this up? Go ahead. The building is getting ready to blow up. It's been rigged with explosives. So of course you have to escape the building in some time limit. And I'm like, are you serious? We have to figure out where we're supposed to escape this building in a limited amount of time after we are already like an hour and 10 minutes into this level. So obviously we did not want to screw this up and we almost did. So we thought we knew where we were supposed to go. We went there, the door would not open. So we circled back to the lobby of the, it's like a university school that you're in. And then Mitch and I didn't know what to do. The, the timer is, is ticking. We're like, we don't know where to go. So Mitch is like, I'll try this way. You try that way. And we'll just see. So we split off. We're going. There's about a minute and 45 seconds left at this point. He goes all the way down to this, like, this one area and he realizes that's not the way to go and then i go all the way down this other hallway and i realize it is the way to go so i'm like i'm yelling at him on the mic like this is it this is it come back this way go back this way go down that one hall go through that one door go past the one thing come on come on come on so he's booking it all the way across this building trying to get to this door that is the exit and, and mind you, while I'm booking it, though, like there are still zombies, zo- like zombie dogs. There are things that are chasing me throughout this entire time that I'm trying to make it in the time limit. So I'm trying to not only book it, but also avoid stuff along the way. Like it, it yeah, was like the boss, so the boss monster, the tyrant. He's pursuing yeah. you, yeah. knocking you down every step of the way yes. right on your heels. Uh, anyway, I think you made it out there with like what? How many seconds to spare? It was it was ten seconds or under to be honest. Like yeah. 50, 10 to fifteen seconds maybe. Yeah. Like it it was close again. Like man, oh. we talked about the last uh, a couple weeks ago with the infection rate that you had on that one level. Yeah, I this one was was right in par with uh how nerve-wracking that was and having to almost start over yeah so there was two levels that it really came down to the wire and then after we escaped that building uh then then there was a boss battle there was i think actually i think you fought the same boss twice i think there's really two boss battles at the end but and to make matters worse the very last time you fight the boss you can kill him with just regular bullets, but it's going to take so much to take him down. And I don't, I'm not even sure if we had enough ammunition to do that. Or you could pick up this special weapon and you have the, well, I don't know, like the, either the T virus or the G virus. You have a cure for it. Yeah. That you, you load then into load a pistol, into this. Like it, yeah, you load like a, into this it's bazooka. Like a gun of some sort. And if you hit him with that, 
it'll instantly kill him. Oh, you're talking, okay, yeah, the first part when you were shooting him with the the rocket launcher thing? No, no, that was the first boss battle. The second the time part. we face him, remember, you had to yes. shoot him with the... Yes. The cure. And you had one shot, and this guy was squirmy, squirmy as hell. He was hard to hit. We kept missing, and and you did it. You lined it up perfectly, got right my, on him, and finished him off. I don't know how I kept my composure during that, because like we had an opportunity earlier in that game, but we didn't know what we need it for to have more of that uh daylight i think yeah, i the, used a i used a daylight and shot him with it essentially yep and we could have grabbed more but we didn't think that we were using it to shoot the final boss in the final section of the game yeah so we just kept one extra one because we didn't want to use all that inventory space and it comes down to i only have one shot one opportunity to seize everything I had. No, I was kidding. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, it was breaking a little Eminem there. Good. That whole game was just trial and error. And sometimes that can be really frustrating. Ultimately, it was not the best Resident Evil game, but we definitely had fun, especially since it was a multiplayer game. But yeah, yeah it was it was so much trial and error. I'm glad we did it at like uh, we played it probably first thing in the morning. Um, yeah, when we were fresh and. When we we're yeah, because if it was like we're like all right, let's get started at 10 p.m. or even like 11 p.m. your time at that point, like we would have been like just like let's get this over with and like we can. I feel like it would have been more stressed because we could not have started it over if yeah. we because like we would have had to save it for another day. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we finished that up. Um, I mentioned I think it was last week that I was playing the Red Star on PlayStation Two. And this is totally one of those games where you get farther in it and then you eat your words. Like, this game got so difficult towards the end. It went from pretty, like, moderately challenging, like, to where it was nice and enjoyable, to just brutal, brutal difficulty. And same situation with this game. It's like you die, you start all the way back over from the beginning of the level. And some of these last levels I was playing, like, 30, 40 times. It was just so irritating to die on like the, the the boss at the end of the level, and you go through this whole level take you like five, six, seven minutes, and the levels aren't super long, but to to get to this boss who then kills you in ten seconds, and then you have to go all the way back, fight all those enemies again just to get back to the boss and get killed in twenty seconds, and it was really frustrating. I only have I think three levels left, but I don't know, man. I might abandon this one. It's just I'm losing losing the will to finish it. And it's really hard for me to get all the way to the end of a game and not complete it. But man, this one You'd is be both. This one is just brutal. They the developers were so bogus for these last couple levels. That's just how older games are. I mean, whether it's that or whether it's Outbreak or whether uh, I've actually put down uh, Metroid Prime Remastered because the same thing happened to me. I'm on a boss and I die and it takes me all the way back because oh. I have to like, you can only save the game at certain points. So yeah, I, it's... Yeah, but what, what I almost completely forgot about, which I wish I would have remembered sooner, is that I'm playing this PlayStation 2 game on an emulator on my computer. Mm -hmm. so that I can upscale it, have it in nice higher yeah. resolutions. And uh, I forget the PlayStation 2 emulator has save states. So you can save anywhere you want. 
Like you don't have to rely on the in-game saves that they give you. You can just hit a key on your keyboard and boom, it just saves your exact location. So I may uh, I may abuse that to get me through the end of this game. I like that uh, the Nintendo Online uh, service, when you play those older games, you can do the same kind of thing with that and kind of cheese the saves if they if the game you're playing doesn't have that. Yeah, and you need that for older games. I mean... You really do. PlayStation 2 games and everything before that. Don't get me started on, like, regular old Nintendo Entertainment System games or Super Nintendo games or Sega Genesis games. Like, I don't know how anybody beat those games back in the day without save states. Because when I play those today, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm abusing those save states to get through just the first couple levels. Right. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, so what I've what I've been playing this week, other than that, is a lot of Nintendo DS games. So I've just been chilling, going through my Nintendo DS library, playing things I've never tried before, and something I've been playing, or something I, I tried was Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2. Now, we talked about this last week uh, on our um, delisted games alert. And before that, on a previous episode, you were recommending this game to me when we were covering your Xbox 360 games that you had played. And you highly recommended it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I saw there was a Nintendo DS version. I was like... We were just talking about this. Let me try this. Now, obviously, it's not going to be the exact same game as the Xbox 360 version. But I was curious because sometimes it's very interesting to see the mobile versions of games. Like like back in the day, games that would come out on PlayStation 2, GameCube, or Xbox, sometimes they would get like Game Boy Advance ports. That were, I mean, completely different games, but just still name the same thing. And same thing with... With PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, some of that stuff got Nintendo DS ports. And they were little mobile versions. So I gave it a try. Um, it it was not bad. I'll put it that way. Okay. It was fully 3D. It looked maybe like a PlayStation 1 game, like as far as the graphics-wise, which is about what the Nintendo DS can dish out 3D-wise. And I've, even though I've never played Marvel Ultimate Alliance on Xbox 360 or PlayStation 3, I feel like the spirit of the game is probably there. So I was impressed that you could play and have three allied AI-controlled companions with you. So even though... and I, Maybe you can do co-op? I don't know. But mm. I'm, I think the online has been long shut down for Nintendo DS. <laughs> But yeah, so you you pick four Marvel characters to to bring with you into the level, and you can switch between the characters at any time throughout the level, and they each have their own unique superpowers, and you can upgrade those. And yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It ran horribly. I mean, like at, at best, I was getting like twenty frames per second, but for a handheld three D game. It was pretty full featured and it had nice. hilarious like comic book style cutscenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I could dig it. I could definitely see myself playing that on the bus or something. Just uh, I mean, not that I ever ride the bus, but as a hypothetically as a kid, if I was on the school bus, I would totally enjoy playing that. So it it is a good game. 
and it's got me curious to try the actual version that was released on home consoles. Yeah, I'd love to do some uh, local co-op, or even if we could figure out how to do online co-op on those Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, that would be a lot of fun, because I've been really like craving to go back and play through those. Yeah. Did you check to see if the servers were still up, even though the game is now delisted? I know, I need I need to still do that, and John and I should have done that last night, but... Uh... No, I need. I do need to check. I'm gonna before our uh, next episode. I, I will be checking. Okay. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, so other than that DS game, I tried Elite Beat Agents, which is a rhythm game, and I heard good things about it. It's a highly regarded Nintendo DS game, and you just take the stylus and you tap different points on the the screen or slide them along to the rhythm of the song it's got a bunch of covers of popular songs maybe they couldn't license the actual studio versions so they got these covers uh, which are decent but it basically throws you in some really weird scenario where somebody is is like in distress or in trouble but it's like really goofy stuff and really cartoonish and then you're sent in as a team of essentially look like FBI agent lookalikes, but you're the elite beat agents instead of FBI agents, and you solve the problem with song and dance. Wow. And you have to follow along with the rhythm and make sure you don't mess up so that these guys have a perfect choreographed run, and then for some reason their dances save the day, and then you move on to the next scenario. It is so goofy you really beat the hell out of your DS for some parts. Like there's one part where you have to like spin a, a circle really fast. It's typically like at the end of a level. And if I didn't have a screen protector on my DS, there's no way I'd be doing that. Cause you're just like, ah, I gotta go as fast oh as possible. Gosh. That reminds me of like uh, Mario party games where you have to use the Nintendo 64 controller and like spin the oh, yeah. stick around or just destroying it. Mario party is the greatest destroyer of Nintendo 64 controllers and your hand too. It's like, yeah, nothing about oh. that was a good idea. But yeah. So many N64 controllers today with that janked up joystick is all due to Mario party. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just a silly game. Um, my only gripe is that, some of some of the stuff I swear I was on beat and it was claiming I wasn't so I don't know if it was really me being off beat it's possible or if maybe it's just not always picking it up correctly yeah, somebody very musically inclined as yourself I highly doubt it was you that was off beat <laughs> yeah that's kind of the, the feeling I got I'm like I think this is just there's something a bug or just not quite lined up right in the game yeah but anyway, I went to play this game again uh, the next day, and I accidentally played a different rhythm game that has a very similar name. So I meant to play Elite Beat Agents, but instead I accidentally loaded up Beat City, which ended up being almost better, in my opinion. Oh. So everybody regards Elite Beat Agents as being this great DS game. I've never heard anybody talk about Beat City, but mm-hmm. I was digging it. It was it was simpler, and it was more like mini games that go along with the rhythm. And I like that, because Elite Beat City, it's, it's kind of like everything's just happening 
in the background and you're just doing the same gameplay over and over again. But in this, it's like completely different scenarios and the beat goes along with with whatever that scenario is. Like, I don't, what's that game in that they did in the, like the first episode of Squid Games where red one light, person looks away? Green light. Red light, green light? Uh-huh. Is that what it was? Okay, so yeah, one of the first levels in Beat City is like a red light, green light. So you have to do the rhythm and as soon as like this giant gorilla on a building turns around to look at you, you have to stop. As soon as he turns around, you have to start tapping to the rhythm again. So it's just cool little stuff like that. And uh, not too difficult. But uh, that one I really recommend. It's more of a, a sleeper hit. I think that's lesser known than Elite Beat Agents. I feel like the DS in general had a lot of sleeper hits. That uh, They released a lot of games for the DS. Yeah. Oh, tell me about it, man. I was going through the catalog, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And there's these really weird series of games that would have like 20 entries and they'd just be like something. It would sound super stupid and you'd be like, who's who's buying this? But yet they released 20 of them, so they're selling them somewhere. Somebody. Yeah. And so many, so many, so many pet simulators like my giraffe simulator, my dog simulator, my cat simulator, my turtle simulator. You can pet it with your stylus. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, those those games Remember, are not for me, but like I think the one that they released, like one of like the selling points of the DS was Nintendo Dogs yeah. back in the day. Yeah, never played it. Didn't look interesting yeah. to me, but and I remember, I know we talked about the Connect a lot in a previous episode, but when they were first advertising the Connect and like, I think even before it was released, just trying to show what could be done. I think it was at one of the E3s. They had some girl that was petting the dog on the screen like she was just going like this and the dog was reacting and uh i was like man there's got and it was it was at that moment i was skeptical about the connect i was like there's got to be something better we can do with the connect and then pretend to pet a dog like the whole enjoyment out of petting a dog is actually touching the dog so far from the same experience so you can just pet Tycho right next to you. Yeah, you exactly. <laughs> He's in here. The, the other dog's in here. They're sleeping. They're chilling. Even though I'm in here yelling, they don't mind. They're used to it. But yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. Uh, there is another game that you wanted to talk about that yes. fascinates me because I've never even heard about this. So I'll let you take it away to kind of give yeah. us the background on what this is. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about, so I'm gonna try and uh, try and go into this quick. But uh, I, I, it's it's one that really excites me, and I actually did play some of it last night because I really wanted to dive in and okay, before I cool, talked cool. about it. Uh, so the game is one that is from my childhood. It actually dates back to middle school. the uh, The initial release was 2003, so uh, quite a ways, quite a while ago, and it is called Toontown. Um, before I go into uh, what they've revived it with, I'm gonna go into what just Toontown is in general. Uh, Toontown is a my very first massively multiplayer online game centered in the Disney universe, which uh, was pretty cool because uh, it was uh, you know it was it was one of those childhood games where I could run on dial-up and you know I, I clogged the internet for from my parents or my parents couldn't make phone calls forever because MMOs are a grind man that you put to put hours into it but. Uh, First of so, all, an yeah, MMO on dial-up just sounds crazy to me. That that, but yeah, there were MMOs 
back when dial-up was what the internet that everybody had. And for those who younger readers, dial-up is a really, really slow internet. Today we enjoy blazing fast speeds where we can download tens of gigabytes like per minute. Back in the day, no, it was 56 kilobytes through your LAN, your LAN phone line. We we talk about it in a previous episode, I'm not gonna dive way into it, but yeah. essentially Mitch was playing this on ultra slow internet. Yep. So uh, what is Toontown? Like what what is the premise of this uh, MMO? And uh, Toontown is, I'm gonna read what it says on there on the new Toontown that they've revived. Uh, it's a massive multiplayer online game built for kids, teens, and adults of all ages. And I think at this point, it's only adults because it's just there for nostalgia at this point. <laughs> um, create your own tune and join a never-ending battle against the cogs, which are the the cogs are these robotic corporate figures that are <laughs> that are basically the enemies in this game, uh, who want to turn Toontown into their latest business venture. So uh, you're getting an education early on about corporate America by playing this. <laughs> really? <MMO>. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so I say it was initially released in 2003. It closed down in 2013 due to budget cuts and changes in the Disney management online. Wow, it lasted 10 years? It lasted 10 years, yeah. So uh, I, I don't even remember. Like, I feel like I... I like played it off and on throughout my life, and there was one time I was like, "Oh, it's just gone," and then I was, you know, pretty devastated and always thought about it. Uh, but the premise, or I guess what you do in it, you create your own tune, and when you create your own tune, it can be a variety of things. It can be a rabbit, a cat, a dog, a mouse. You're basically creating, you know, Mickey Mouse in this game, essentially, or like some some other form of Disney character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you do is you throw what they call like you're you have to take out the cogs, which are these corporate robotic figures. And you do that by using what they call gags and gags are anything from a pie. You throw a pie in their face to you squirt them with a squirt gun, uh, a very like Looney Tunes esque stuff like like dropping an anvil on them or luring them out with a uh, with with the fishing pole and then like dragging it away uh but it's very uh very goofy but uh but but very very fun and still uh cool to play but uh while you get these gags you can upgrade them as you move along through the game so you when you're moving along through the game and you're you're taking out these cogs you're getting points for each type of gag that you're using. So like, for instance, I start out with a cupcake at the very beginning and I can upgrade that me throwing a cupcake at a cog to me throwing like an entire freaking like wedding cake at the cog or something like that, which does more damage to them. And there are so MMOs have dungeons. Those are those are things in all MMOs uh, and there are dungeons in Toontown, which I think is kind of cool. But these the dungeons in Toontown are these corporate buildings that have been taken over. So it, like, it really does simulate corporate America in where like it shows this local business in the Toontown universe getting taken over by this corporate entity. And that is the dungeon that you have to go in with other people that are coming in 
play online that are in your server and you go into this corporate building and you take out all these cogs on different floors and if you take them all out the building turns back into that local mom and pop shop that it was before that wow this dude this is crazy i mean these are great lessons to be teaching kids because yeah it's when they grow up and become adults and realize hey yeah this corporate evilness actually exists and i completely forgot how much else is in this game so that's basically kind of the premise you're really trying just to level up your gags so that you get more more of them like there's so many like different types of things i, I mentioned a few with like the birthday cake or like the squirt gun or an anvil or a fishing pole but there are way more like there are like each like uh like category of gag i think there's maybe like seven or eight categories of them and they all have like level up trees that you can get to get upgraded versions of these gags and you use jelly beans as a currency to purchase them so you have like them to go into dungeons with or if you're just fighting the cogs on the street uh and you can get jelly beans through doing activities i didn't realize how much was in this game there are a whole bunch of activities that you can play. Like for instance, there's fishing that you can do. There's like, I think they said there's like over a hundred species of fish that you can go. Speaking of fishing from our last episode, mm -hmm. you can do that and you can sell the fish to get jelly beans. Uh, there's gardening, there's golfing. There's like these little parties that they throw. There's like Goofy's racing and you can do little racing mini games all to get little rewards or jelly beans to get more gags to then take out the cogs. Uh, you actually also have your own estate. So, you know, in a lot of MMOs, you have you have a house that you can, you know, set up in. They, a lot of MMOs do that where you can buy furniture for your house and decorate it and whatnot. You can do that in Toontown. You can actually call. There's like a little phone in your house that you have and you can call and they give you a catalog and you can order from a catalog of different uh, different items for your home or even different things like different quick chats that you can use in the game or uh other like outfits for your character so there's a lot of it's it's a really in-depth game and i completely forgot how in-depth it was until i i actually went back in and played it uh last night <clears throat> so uh, that's the premise of of the game Go just ahead. Yes, just question. a side note <clears throat> the yeah. website says uh in a couple of weeks they're doing a they're going to mm -hmm. be in atlanta georgia the creators of the game with for Momocon. Momocon? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, they're doing a, an event at Momocon for for Toontown called the yeah, Toonfest so, Birthday Bash. I want to quickly uh, just, I'm going to read that uh, the blog that they have on there or the, uh, the little about us that they have on the new Toontown. So they they revived it in 2017, which is a while ago. Like, I had no clue it's been out since then. Like, I had I only stumbled upon this because I saw some guy playing it on TikTok live. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was just scrolling on TikTok and then I just hit to a live chat. I'm like, what the heck? That's what I played when I was a kid. And he likes he was like talking. He's like, oh yeah, it's it's they they brought it back and whatnot. It's been out for a while, but out since 2017. And I'm gonna read uh, just like the about them and what they did. So uh, as I said, starting 2013. 2003 is a family-oriented MMO. Uh, da, da, da. On 
September 9, 2003, Toontown Online closes. Toontown Rewritten announced for the past month a band of players known as the Toontown Rewritten team had been working on the possibility to keep Toontown alive. The seemingly impossible task became a reality, and by the end of October, Toontown Rewritten was online, allowing a small amount of alpha testers to enter the game. Toontown Rewritten picked up where Toontown Online left off, but the game wasn't all there quite yet. Many months were spent reverse engineering and redeveloping the original server architecture to restore Toontown to its former glory. The team was not only working to restore Toontown's gameplay, but the entire essence of Toontown itself. The story was developed, limited time events continued, new features were added, and to this day the game is still actively updated with new content. Toontown Rewritten has now grown to over 1,900,000 registered players, with thousands of players playing almost any given time of day. Wow. There's a lot of love for this game, then. I mean, I had so much love for that game. I mean, like, I would beg my parents for this because, like, it's free to play now with their Toontown rewritten, but back then you actually had to go to your Walmart or Target or whatever, and you had to get a prepaid card for playtime. So you could buy, like, a three-month card, sort of like you could do with World of Warcraft back in the day. Um, it, it operated just like a regular MMO, so, like, huh. I had to beg my mom or my dad to get me a card so I could play. Uh, so, so you did dive back in last night. I did. All right. So, has much changed? Was it exactly like you remembered it? Were there a lot of people on your server? What was your experience like playing it again? It was literally like a one to one of how I remembered it. Like it, I jumped in. I was like, "This is the exact same thing." Like it, there was just nothing different about it, which was totally fine because it was a very full-fledged and detail-oriented MMO for it being a Disney <laughs> MMO like it and it was actually like I'm not sure how their servers work and how like where who comes in and is populated where but when I joined in I had no difficulty going and fighting cogs and random people would come and join in and help me fight them because I was a very low level obviously uh I don't think there was a ton of people in my server but there was there was definitely enough wherever I went to help me do certain things. So, I mean, people are playing it and uh, that's amazing to see. I don't know if I will actually like dive in like and like really grind it at it, but I might give another go for a little while just to just to relive some nostalgia and maybe take over a couple corporate buildings to, uh, you know, as an adult, it hits different taking over, <laughs> taking down the taking down the corporate structure. Uh, yeah, but cool, man. That's that's an amazing story. It's always sad to see online games die. Now, a lot of games have single player and online components, so the game can live on and still be played in right. some sense. But any game that is fully an MMO or any type of games as a service type of game, so much work and energy and art gets poured into creating these. So to see that just get lost is always sad. And it's very cool to me that even though from 2013 to 2017 may seem like a long time, it's really not. I mean, it's it's awesome that people were able to come in and be like, uh-uh, we're, we're getting this back online so that people who grew up playing it can enjoy it again. 
and and have that nostalgia. And I'm sure there are some kids that have stumbled upon this and, and maybe are just trying it for the first time. But I'm surprised that it was around for 10 years to begin with. That's a very, very long time for an online game, especially this day and age where we see these huge triple-A studios put out these games as services and then they're shut down one year later. I'm also surprised that Disney hasn't put the axe to this either because it's not in any way, shape, or form a feel like, uh, you know, there's no Disney people behind it. This is all other, you know, separate team. Yeah, and I see that. I mean, even looking at their website, I, it looks like they carefully... Do not say Disney anywhere. No, and even when you first load into the page, it says, hey, we are not affiliated with Disney any any longer. This is just a one-to-one revival of the game that was created by them. Yeah. But if you're uncomfortable with this, click here and leave the page, and it'll take you to the actual Disney website and all the games that Disney creates nowadays. That whole... That whole beginning to the website is kind of goofy, if you ask me. Pun intended. But, uh, yeah, it's... And even if it even if they stripped the word Disney from everything, so it's no longer branded as Disney, because Disney, Disney is like... Disney is a huge corporation, which is very ironic that this whole game was about stopping massive corporations. Because when I think of corporations, I mean, Disney is like one of the first ones that pop in my head. Absolutely. Uh, they're hella corporate. Uh, but anyway, and for that reason, too, they created this. So I think that they would be very protective of their assets, despite the fact that they're not doing anything with it. So I am surprised that this one has gotten past Disney's lawyers and is still up and shining, which is good. Disney, if you're yes. listening, if you're not going to do anything with this, let it live on for the community and for the people who enjoy it. Don't. Don't screw your fans over. Because if this was Nintendo, they would have put the axe to it years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's that's our rant on that. Cool, man. Glad you were able to dive back in. Yeah, and, super uh, fun one to talk about. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I stumbled upon that one. Okay. Now, tomorrow is Mother's Day. So I think it would be nice to talk about our moms. We both love our mothers dearly. Happy Mother's Day for whenever this episode comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, And video games have always been a huge part of both of our lives. And sometimes our parents supported that. Sometimes they didn't. But we'd like to talk about some good moments where uh, our moms did support our video game hobbies and just how that positively impacted our childhoods. So Mitch, you wanna you wanna jump it off? Any stories you got to share? Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly before we end my story say shout out to my mom for for my Toontown membership. Uh, I remember she was the one who primarily bought me a lot of that Toontown membership. So uh, thank you, mom, for that. Actually, <laughs> uh, to bring that full circle. But uh, yeah, my story uh, ours are kind of closely linked, so it'll be nice to kind of uh, to go over this. But uh, my parents divorced when I was when I was very young. I was in second grade, and uh, you know, as a kid, like 
going through a divorce in second grade, like you don't realize what, you know, what comes with that. And uh, when my when my parents divorced, my mom got her own you know, apartments and my my dad stayed at our, our home uh, where we lived. Uh, and I, you know, quickly realized that I don't have the things at my dad's that I, you know, or at my mom's that I had at my dad's because all my stuff really, you know, stayed with at my dad's house, including my Nintendo 64, which is one of my pride and joy is during that time period. So my mom, bless her heart, you know, on on Christmas, you know, the following Christmas when that rolled around, it was nice, you know, getting two Christmases, one for my my dad and one for my mom. But uh, my mom actually got me another Nintendo 64 so that I could play all my Nintendo 64 games at my mom's as well. So no matter what house I was at, I always had the same stuff in the same you know, games that I, you know, whatever I needed, you know, it was always the same. And I appreciate my mom for that. She actually got me the cool ice blue console, which, man, I really wish I still had that. Yeah, game. dude, those are, those are really collectible nowadays and hard to come by. And, yeah, that's, like, the coolest looking one they released, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm. who knows what happened to that. I probably traded it into Game Crazy back in the day to, you know, I was a kid that didn't think about collecting at that point and my parents were happy to like see some of that stuff like get traded in so that there wasn't a whole bunch of consoles around the the house but uh yeah that's that's really my story i remember fondly because my mom had an apartment uh and she actually had a really like she she decorated my room it was super cool and i had my own tv in my room for like the first time ever and I remember just like sitting in there with my Nintendo 64 that I just got playing WWF No Mercy. Oh, and classic. Yeah, my, my uncle actually got that for me. Uh, rest in peace to my uncle. But uh, he, he actually got that for me for that Christmas as well. And he took me to the store and, and my, my mom was like, I don't know if I agree with this. You get it. He's like, oh, it's it's great. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> And uh, I'm just playing, uh, you know, WWF No Mercy and making a whole bunch of creative characters, which was like my favorite thing to do in that game. Yeah. Uh, but I will give my mom a little flack. I, I know we both agree to, you know, it's Mother's Day and we love them for everything they've done. But I'm going to give her a little flack because my mom hates video or she hated video games when I was growing up or she hated me playing them. And uh, she still like bared with it and always bought me video games it's always what i wanted for birthday christmas you name it Mm -hmm. um but there were times where she would make me read for an hour you know or so before i could even play video games or i was playing for some hours and she's like no take a break you need to pick up a book and read for a while Mm -hmm. (laughs) which i find that hilarious because the irony is is there is so much reading in video games especially on the Nintendo 64 because older consoles did not have voiceovers. When a character talked, it just displayed as text on the screen and you had to read it. And depending on how text heavy that game is, some of those games, I mean, you're reading a couple of books with the amount of text that you have to go through to finish those games. And like even me during that time, like I wasn't just playing like garbage WWF No Mercy all the time you know it wasn't like just like me wrestling beating people up i was playing like in-depth story driven games where there is like a lot of reading and a big story that is being told which i thought was just better told and better 
shown than a book does. Yeah. So, you know, I was I was getting the the reading and the storytelling through the games that I was playing, and uh, yeah, I don't think my mom like totally got that. Like, and a lot of people who don't game really don't get that because there's there are a lot of games where like people just. A simulator with like a Call of Duty or a Halo, where it's just you're just shooting people all the time, and that's what people think video games always are. Yeah, if they don't play them. But no, man, I attribute my strong reading skills to growing up in the era of video games that were text heavy. So yeah, yeah, my mom be proud of what I what I play nowadays too, because they're I'm I'm the same way. I get into very story heavy, text heavy games like i'm playing a yakuza 5 right now and it's all in japanese yep you got to read everything there i read yeah. everything on that game because i will not they have like you could switch it over to english but it just does not sound right like really seeing like i want to see it as it's supposed to be like yeah you know, i didn't like know how they, they intended a, it to be i didn't know they had any english translations on yakuza games it might not be the yakuza games but it's the judgment games i know they have it which oh, is a, okay a spin-off with the same uh Good the idea. same developer um so i'm not sure if the Kusa games do that but I, I know the judgment games do that and yeah. they actually had it as the default setting oh. in the judgment games for the north american releases and uh-huh. i i changed it i was like no i'm not doing that this sounds really yeah weird. i'd probably do the same because yeah yakuza i'm so used to playing those games in japanese and just reading and yeah i mean it's is non-stop reading non-stop so uh anyway um yeah that's mine yeah let's uh before you go into yours though because uh, i gotta give a shout out to your mom again because i am now i'm wearing a, my second t-shirt ah, okay I, I see you i purchased uh from the money your mom uh, graciously gave me and this is my animal crossing one of my favorite games of all time it, it is in my top 10 games without a doubt and uh this just shows all the characters all the all the characters in the uh, the Animal Crossing universe that uh, kind of help you along the way, whether it's KK Slider or Tom Nook, you know. Nice. Uh, anyway, for my own stories, very similar. My parents got divorced, I think, in seventh grade for me, so I was twelve years old. And shortly after the divorce, my mom took me to Acme Comics. Back in Ooh, our hometown of Peoria, Illinois, and bought me a used Loved good Acme comics. Yeah, and bought me a used PlayStation Two from there. And I don't know if she was just planning on buying that for me, just anyway, or if she purposely bought that for me to just kind of distract my mind from the divorce. I don't know, but I loved that PlayStation Two played it to death and just like you uh, shortly after that i think i was able to get a tv in my own room and i played that non-stop um i think eventually it stopped reading some of the discs so some playstation 2 games have a blue bottom to the disc and then some are just like your regular silver bottom like a like a dvd and for i don't remember exactly why there were two different types of discs on playstation 2 but at some point that playstation 2 stopped reading one of them i think it could only read the blue discs it could no longer read the silver disc or vice versa i don't remember Mm. but instantly it cut the games i could play on it in half 
and I found out later on that this was a common failure on those fat PlayStation 2 models, that the okay. laser would start to fail, and then for some reason yeah, it could still play one of the discs. I said I'd never heard of that, and I also never had one of the fat PS2s. I always had, the one I first got a PlayStation 2 was the slim one. Yeah, and they, they solved whatever manufacturing defect was causing that. Anyway, so yeah, that PlayStation 2, man, played so many games on that. So much fun playing multiplayer games with the kids in the neighborhood. So mom, thank you for getting me that PlayStation 2 uh, and for always supporting me playing video games. Uh, except on one occasion, I love you mom, but I'll never let you live this one down. So we used to go to Hollywood Video all the time to rent movies and games. And typically, my mom would let me pick out whatever I wanted. She didn't care how old I was. She seemed to pretty often make it a point not to filter the world from me, not to censor things. If I wanted to watch an R-rated movie as a kid, she would let me. If I wanted to listen to some music that was had explicit lyrics, she would let me. If I wanted to play some violent or gory video game, she would let me. And she just always told me, it, as long as you understand that it's just art and you're, you don't go out and do these things, then it's fine. Which I know many different parents had different parenting styles and many people agree and disagree with things. But um, I've seen people turn out terribly who had very sheltered childhoods. So I don't necessarily agree with sheltering, sheltering your kids from reality or from art, which art imitates reality. Art imitates life. And I appreciate your mom for that as well, because her ideology with that moved over to my dad, because my dad had so much respect for your for your mom. So he would he would always let me do the kind of the same thing unless it was, uh, for instance, a Sims hot date. He did not let me get that. one, <laughs> But uh, uh yeah, but he was like, he. you would come over with these games or movies or whatever, and, uh, you know, he, he was fine with it because uh, your mom kind of talked to him about that. Yeah. Parents, just let it roll, because chances are your kid's going to do it behind your back anyway. They're going to find some way to watch that movie or play that game some way or another. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, it's a losing battle. Anyway, so she took me to Hollywood, Hollywood Video because we normally went pretty frequently. And I picked up the South Park game for Nintendo 64. And I th I mean, I don't think my mom had ever watched South Park, but I think she was aware that it was an adult-themed cartoon. And But she was fine with it. She's like, all right, whatever. That's what you want to rent. Sure. We go up to the counter. This... Freaking lady that worked at Hollywood Video was like, oh, totally a Karen before Karens were a thing. Oh, Except no. she was the opposite because she worked at the place. I don't know. However that works. But anyway, she was like, oh, this game? You do not want to let your son rent this game. You can pee on snowballs and throw them at people and there's cursing in it. And yada, 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 she just went on and on. She was like, I rented this for my son, and I immediately turned it off when I saw what it was. Oh, no. So my mom caved to the pressure 
and then didn't let me rent it, which was confusing to me because up until this point, I had never been told that I couldn't play a game because of its content. So I was kind of confused, kind of argued with her in, in the store. And she's like, no, you're not renting it. So, uh, so yeah, so that was that. I had to go pick out a different game. I was very disappointed. And then I think, I don't know if it was when we got in the car or what, but at some point I asked her about that. I was like, you, you always let me rent whatever I want or play whatever I want. Why, why was this different? And she basically was just like, she, she succumbed to the pressure. She, she didn't want to happens. still rent it for me after this lady made a huge fuss and about how horrible it is and how it's not for children. Yeah. And uh, I think later on when that lady was not working there, my mom let me rent it. But yeah, anyway, just had to, had to give you a little bit of a hard time for that mom. Uh, should have just told that lady off. Should have been like, screw you, lady. Um, Don't tell me how to raise my son. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and the, I mean, the ironic part was that game was terrible. Yeah. It was not fun at all. So it, I love South Park even to this day. But yeah, that was not a fun game. It was it was pretty stupid. The good thing is South Park has redeemed themselves since, and the two most recent games they have made uh, are absolutely the best. Yeah, they're oh yeah, they're good. Uh, anyway, shout yeah. out to our moms. Mom. They raised love you, mom. Love you. Raised good men. All right, so one more thing to talk about, so we can wrap this episode up. And Let's do it. Seems like everybody and their mama's talking about this new handheld console that is mm -hmm. competing with the Steam Deck. Now the Steam Deck deck came out. I did not get one, but it looks freaking awesome. I'm surprised I didn't get one because I typically like handheld consoles, but I've been watching it very closely. I have friends that have gotten Steam Decks that that rave about them, that they're, they're as amazing as they, they seem to be. And I think a part of me kind of wants to hold out until the Steam Deck 2 because the Steam Deck 1 is their very first foray into this and whatever kinks there may be, I'm assuming they're going to improve on and the next version is only going to be that much better. But we may not have to wait for a Steam Deck 2 because Asus released the ROG... Ally, which I think they just call it ROG, honestly. ROG Ally, which okay, I'm sorry, y'all, not feeling the name. Apparently, no. ROG stands for Republic of Gamers, which is isn't any cooler than ROG in Ally. So it's tis but an ally to the Republic of Gamers. I don't know, man. Just I don't want to ever be affiliated as an as a Republic of Gamers. Like, no, don't. Yeah. I'm good. Anyway, poor naming choice aside, this thing looks freaking awesome. Um, the reviews are in. All right, Tycho, make up your mind. You in or you out? <laughs> Kicking you out of the room. The reviews are in. The, the, the specs are in. The, the benchmarks are in. And yes, this thing is more powerful than the Steam Deck. It's got, there are some pros and cons between the two, but this is definitely quite a contender and it is only slightly more expensive, which I say that lightly because 
uh, it may only be 50 bucks more expensive, but either way, both this and the Steam Deck are expensive. Like, yes. Steam Deck, I know, $600, $650, and this is like $700. So it's like, it's only $50 more. It's like, yeah, dude, that's like saying a million dollars, a million fifty is only $50 more than a million. It's like, yeah, I still got to spend a million dollars, though. So either way, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that aside, this thing looks super cool. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Had Have you thought about getting a Steam Deck? Are you interested in this? Are you interested in eventually picking up one of these new handheld PCs? Uh, do you care at all? I do care, and I, I man, I, I once ever since the Steam Deck came out, uh, my my little cousin uh, uh, actually got one, and I've been jealous of him because he's been telling me all the games that he's been beating because he's playing it on the couch on handheld and whatnot. And I have been interested in getting one, and I think now with this, I, if I were to get one at this point, I would go for this Ally, uh, Asus Ally, because it it does seem like a, a little bit better version of the Steam Deck, and I'm looking for if I'm going to commit to purchasing one, I'm going to get the best one out there because I it's it's already a big purchase, like you said, and I don't want to just skimp on like, get, you know, trying to save 50 or 100 bucks for for a lesser product than if I could get something that, you know, is is a little more expensive, but it's going to future proof me for a little longer, you know. Uh, so I am interested in it, but I've also been very interested in looking at gaming laptops, and I feel like there's just a little more you can do with a gaming laptop compared to one of these handheld devices, and they really kind of give you the same experience. I mean, maybe not as uh, convenient as picking up a handheld and just sitting back and playing it, but... Like with me, like I really want a gaming laptop to play like an MMO, and like I can't play an MMO on a Steam Deck or one of these. Like I, I need a mouse and keyboard to really play these MMOs. So I, I think at this point, like I am interested. If like if I had extra funds that I could just you know if I if I was made of money, absolutely I would <laughs> I would get one. But uh, if, at these days, you know, with rent is expensive, life is expensive. If I had to choose, I would go toward getting a gaming laptop. Yeah, and I, I totally share your opinion on that. Because uh, there's very little difference between low packing your your Steam Deck or your ROG Ally into your, your suitcase to take with you on vacation as packing a gaming laptop and maybe an Xbox controller in there. Like, it's... Not a huge size difference, and you're going to get the same thing. And then with with something like this, typically the docks are sold separate and more expense. You know, it's an extra cost. You have to spend seven hundred dollars on the unit, and then who knows, a hundred, two hundred dollars on a dock or whatever it is. And then that's how you plug it into a TV. Where if I take a gaming laptop with me to on any vacation, I can just unplug the HDMI cord from their their Roku or whatever it is and plug it into my laptop and then I've got my Xbox controller and boom it's it's a portable console and uh, yeah same situation it's just you it's there's not a whole lot of benefit to this over a gaming laptop and a gaming laptop is going to be more versatile it's easier to do other things on a laptop in case you have to work or or, or maybe edit a podcast or something uh, yeah I I'm the same I would lean more towards getting a laptop gaming laptop before I got one of these and really 
yes, this you can hold in your face and lay down in bed and play it. But other than that scenario, like I'm, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not on the bus that often for an hour, like needing to just game on the go. Cause yeah, of course, if I'm on a bus, I'm not going to want to open a gaming laptop and be trying to play it in my lap. Like, right. yeah, then a handheld would, would make more sense, but I'm just not ever in that scenario. To go back to your uh, airport thing, it's not even like you, it used to be like with handhelds, you didn't have to take them out of your bag and like go through TSA, like security with them. But nowadays I bring my switch everywhere I go if I travel and I have to take my switch out of my bag and put it down. So with one of these, it would be the same thing with a laptop it was always, always with laptops, you had to take them out and put them in a separate bin. But, you know, it'd be the same thing with these handhelds. You have to take them out nowadays and put them in a bin. Yeah, and and that's another thing you reminded me of. Yes, this and the Steam Deck are so much more power, powerful than a Switch. But let's not forget how much can be done with a Switch for so much cheaper. I mean, on, on you can get a Switch for probably around $200 as opposed to six seven hundred dollars for one of these for you're talking less than half the price and there's so many amazing games you can play on switch like amazing amazing games so that you can't play on a steam deck or this ally like because it is it's nintendo branded and you can only play nintendo games on the switch yeah and and sure maybe you can't play the most in-demand triple a games that are coming out on pc on your switch but you have more than enough alternatives to where you can still have a great handheld experience and and not break the bank. So yeah, that's another thing too. Um, if you're looking to get a handheld for a kid or you're just wanting to save some money, then the Switch is always still a viable option. And I mean, I still play my PlayStation Vita in my in my Nintendo DS as we were just talking about. Like there's still great gaming experiences on those. And man, you can get a Vita or a DS for even way even cheaper than a Switch, and it's a lot easier to to take one of those handhelds with you because those literally fit in your pocket. Yeah, and when I think of like what I'm playing, like when I'm doing handheld stuff, if I'm like traveling or doing something like that, a lot of times it's like it's like shorter indie game experiences, and a lot of those are not super demanding graphically and whatnot. And there's plenty of those to go around, and the Switch is perfect for me. So I, I'm really talking myself away from ever buying these now. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am too. Uh, but that's not to say they're not super cool. And it's not they to say I, I don't want one. It's not to say if somebody gave me one, I wouldn't be totally stoked. But Absolutely. But am I, uh, am I dipping into my savings right now to hurry up and buy this? Nah. Uh, any other last words on the, the ROG ally? <laughs> Wrong. Uh, just that they need to get rid of the uh, Republic of Gamers. I'm, I'm just not a fan. Yeah. But it looks like a great handheld, and uh, yeah, if somebody gifted it to me, I would love it too. Yeah. All right, guys. So well, that's what we have for this week's episode. Hope everybody enjoyed it. If you stuck around to the very end. Thank you. We appreciate it. We appreciate everybody that's listening. Mitch and I love doing this. We enjoy doing this. It gives us something to look forward to. We have all these great games we play. We like to talk about them and really just process these great gaming experiences that we have every week and have had throughout our whole life. Uh, you can find all our episodes on 
Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Mitch, take it away. Yeah, and I want to add on to that. Uh, you know, a lot of times, like our our work life uh, is stressful and whatnot, and sometimes we we aren't as juiced to get on and record a pod, but just seeing the numbers and seeing the feedback that we've gotten and all the people that are listening to us to just sit here and talk about games really gives us the energy to keep going. So like, thank you everyone who does listen. Like this is, it, it's been awesome. Like I, I love connecting with Mike. I haven't talked to Mike this much in since we were kids. So like it, it's awesome to, to be able to do this and we appreciate everyone listening because it really fuels us to keep going. Uh, but yeah, you could find us on all our social media. Our Instagram is uh, Instagram backslash Hills are silent. Our Twitter is at the Hills are silent. Our TikTok uh, is at the Hills are silent podcast, posting some new YouTube shorts and some deals. Uh, our YouTube again is uh, at the Hills are silent. If you have any questions, comments, game recommendations, uh, feedback on how we're doing, any anything, uh, come to our email inbox at hills are silent at gmail.com. We'll catch you in the next episode.